You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup B, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of the 2 and Out podcast with Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. It was a, an eventful week four, so we do have lots to go through. Or was that only week three? Yeah. Week three. It o- only week three, and we got lots to go through. Ty was in Waska Sioux over the weekend. How was it, man? First of all, how were the mosquitoes? Uh, well, when we first got there, we figured they wouldn't be bad because there was wasps and horseflies everywhere. Uh, I got lit up. <laughs> Bug spray did nothing. Oh, the, the there's there's certain places in Canada where <laughs> the mosquitoes will end like, you. <laughs> I I was talking to Jer. I'm like, I think I'm going to bring pants, and he's like, it's going to be 30 degrees. Like, it's not going to have, have to worry about to. rain. He's like, you're not, we're not going to have to worry about rain. I'm like, that's not what I'm worried. About. <laughs> not and even the sun. It's I didn't, the bugs. No, I'm stronger than the sun. We've proven that. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, and I didn't take pants, and I got lit up. Although uh, you had some dicey situations with elk. I mean, as a kid, yeah. uh, Whistler's campground in Jasper, one cow elk basically followed me into the bathroom. I had to go into the stall and lock the door. But you had some dicey situations, or what? Yeah, well, walking in the dark alone, smart up there, right? And look, uh, Ty looks like a tasty meal, a tasty yeah, snack for some. Yeah, yeah, like pretty lean meat now, though. Well, leaner. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I heard some rustling in the bush because, well, at first I was walking down the road along the lake and I was on the lake side of it. And these people are yelling at me. It's like one in the morning. I'm, I oh. want to turn around. <laughs> I want to turn around and be like, what the f- is your problem? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want to, I'm not, like, I will get my ass kicked, but I will mouth off back. And they're like, Ty's mouth exponentially longer when he has yeah. backup, by the way. Like, cross the street. <laughs> Across the street, oh. I look up and there's two cows sitting right, basically like one hoof on the sidewalk. I might have across the street. Too. Yeah, so I cross the street. So now I'm on the forest side of the road, and yeah, going, and I just I hear this rustling. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. So I stop, <laughs> and this ten feet in front of me, this cow elk walks out. And I hear it thrashing. I'm like, Mm-mm. and a bull falls <laughs> out, and I'm like. Get me out of here. <laughs> and I get back get back to the camper and Dave and my buddy had gotten back a little bit earlier and we're kind of talking. He's like, Yeah, like one of the garbage cans had a cougar paint on it. I'm like thinking I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, there's prey, there'd be predators. Yep. So yeah, no more walking alone in the dark, which I did the next night anyway. <laughs> the BC Lions, speaking of cougars. Wait, are they mountain lions or are they female lions in BC? There are mountain lions, right? Mountain lions, cougars, and pumas are all the same thing. No, no, no. But like a female lion in Africa looks like the BC lions. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Or is it a mountain lion? It's a mountain lion. Okay, we'll go with that. Making me assume. look stupid. <laughs> you had me confused. <laughs> but they crushed Winnipeg 30-6. to 6. 
if you would have told me that BC beat Winnipeg, I might have been like, oh, all right. Must have been a shootout. <laughs> but by 24? Yeah. And Winnipeg getting shut out in the second half? I actually told a buddy over the weekend, I said, holding Winnipeg to six might be more impressive than holding Edmonton to zero. Well, because I feel like anybody could hold Edmonton to zero. <laughs> well, right? it might like, happen again this year. We it don't very know. well could. <laughs> Like, that's bad, but the fact that BC's giving up six points in two games, shut out six of those quarters, seven, I think. Like, that is ridiculous. And especially against the offense that Edmonton has, it is what it is. They still have weapons in Eugene Lewis. They just don't have the quarterback. But when you have an offense that Winnipeg has ran over teams the last three years to hold them to six points, that is very impressive. Especially at IG Field. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lions hadn't won there since 2017. And, in fact, the Bombers hadn't lost a home team to a West opponent or a home game to a West opponent since the Banjo Bowl in 2018. This has been a dominant run for Winnipeg. And I'm not saying it's over, but this is probably the weakest performance we've seen from them since Zach Kalaros came into the fold. Mm-hmm. He's like 25 games over 500. Yeah. Uh, as so a now, what, six, starter. 63 and 24. Well, that was his 100 start as a bomber. Yeah. Was it not? No. Or no, 100 career, career starts. 100 yeah, career starts. Yeah. He's got 64 wins. Yeah. That that game was remarkable. Brady Oliveira, we were told he was a game-time decision. It didn't look like he was any worse from the wear because no. they were giving him the ball right from the start. They were moving the ball. And the drive ended up in a field goal, I believe, for Winnipeg right off the start. And that was about the end of the success for mm-hmm. Winnipeg. Because not only did we see Zach Kolaris being under fire, we saw an undisciplined team. They've been the best when it comes to lack of penalties. And on the first drive, BC picking on the new rookie corner that was filling in for Demario Houston, he takes a P.I. And then Desmond Lawrence takes another P.I., and then there you go, touchdown BC, Alexander Hollins getting their first score of the game. We don't see many touchdown drives that the Bombers give up that aided by penalties. Yeah, and at the same time, it also looked like their offensive line and defense, like they were just not They were losing there. in the trenches. They were yeah. losing every battle, it felt like. And then after halftime, and well, I mean, even late in the first half, just didn't seem to be any adjustments made. They, they just kept trying to do the same stuff, the same things over and over again. And, and you can't do that when you're playing that poorly. Mm-hmm. And, and they just didn't seem to have an answer for BC's pass rush, which was getting to Claros and knocking him down a lot and getting in his face, which we talk about how that offensive line has been so good for so long. Well, at some point, yeah. father, ta- father time is undefeated. Not saying they're old and aged out, but like you got at some point, yeah, we are. You are going to get performances like this as guys get older, and time starts to starts to, starts to take its toll. Any it, given it, Sunday, it any given Thursday, uh, whatever yeah. it is. But I mean, the fact that the the Lions were on a shorter week than Winnipeg mm-hmm. too, like 
<laughs> Everything that went into this, I, I it's it's quite remarkable. I think maybe Winnipeg fans are probably still dumbfounded about this game, and I expect they them, were booing. Yeah, they were, which was completely deserved because uh, O'Shea got that was the worst coaching performance I've ever seen from Mike O'Shea. I think like, they all look kind of shell shocked, hey? <laughs> that and but then you come out, you come out in the second half, and nothing's changed, right? Like you're still letting Vernon's Jr. just pick your pick you apart. You're not making any adjustments defensively. It felt like, like do something, and it was just same old, same old. It almost felt like going in halfway through that third quarter was like whatever. On to next week, we'll just finish this out and move on. It kind of did seem like that. It, it kind of seemed uh, also. Remember at the beginning of the year, the Lions letting go Sean Lemon. Uh, they bring in Jonathan Kongbo. He goes off to Hamilton. And we're kind of wondering what's going on here. Now it's clear <laughs> that they had a good pass rush already. And they mm-hmm. had Canadians doing it. Like Betts and Menard, they were all over Kolaros throughout the game. He had zero time. So I can't really blame him for what happened. It's just credit to Ryan Phillips and that Lions defense Mm-hmm. Phillips might become a pretty hot commodity around the CFL in the in the coming uh, years, and as the season moves on, as this Lions defense continues to improve. Well, and you mentioned you know being a hot commodity. I think we're going to have a coaching vacancy coming up very soon in the West Division. <laughs> there might be one in the East. There might be one in the East or as two. well. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Probably an offensive coordinator <laughs> position too, but you have to think him, Mark Killam, guys like that, like that we've seen. They are they've been coordinators for so long, and they they are getting interviews. But at the same time, when you when you have that position that you have, and you're winning, you want to go and try to fix something halfway like halfway into a rebuild, or do you kind of want to wait and see, like wait for the right opportunity to come up? I know there's only nine jobs as a head coach, but you don't want to get you don't want to get burned on your first go around. Yeah. Now, <laughs> some of the things we've seen from Winnipeg, where they're down and then they they fight back, second and long, they're never out, and a game they're never out, and a lot of times it's it's their response. You take the lead mm-hmm. on them, and then the counter punch just game against Saskatchewan two yeah, last week. Exactly. But BC hit him with that. It was the mm-hmm. end of the first half where Winnipeg is pinned deep. They started, what, on their one-yard line? Then they hit Carlton Agadosi with the 50-yard pass. That drive does end in a field goal, which I think is all right if you're starting from your one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 10-6 to go in the first half. Bombers trailing. But here we go. BC answers back with a drive going into the room that ends in a Hollins touchdown with, what, two seconds on the clock, 17-6 BC at the half. That is a dagger to the heart, man. It's like like a goal in the last minute. Yeah. You give them that uh, touchdown going into the room, that is deflating. So yeah, that defl- deflating for your defense and that offense is just going to ride the momentum coming out in the second half, and that's that's what they did. Yeah. Like it just felt like Winnipeg, like 
I just had no answers, no adjustments, no anything coming from like they were just flat. Yep. I think it's Sione Tahima uh, on the D-line. He's also getting to Kolaris. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing really you can say. Even the, the Bombers turning the ball over deep in their own end in the fourth quarter. Uh, a catch that Dembski should have had, but goes off his hands into the defender's arms. It was just all in all an uninspired uh, effort from the Bombers. But the Lions were there to capitalize every single step of the way. Yeah, and like you said, like that's what Winnipeg does. Yeah. <laughs> so for it to be for it to be such a reversal of roles was that's what made it just even more wild to watch. And now they they know what it's like to be Ryder fans. <laughs> it, it was still I, when I talked to some Winnipeg fans, they were still in sort of a state of disbelief mm-hmm. after twenty nine years of losing. But it doesn't take long. Like it, was, to... it was too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. Right? But... And now, oh, this team is crap. Fire everybody. <laughs> Missing trade the everybody. playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Winnipeg's crossing over to the East. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Vernon Adams Jr., 20 of 29, a 69% completion percentage. Nice. Two touchdowns. No turnovers that is the big stat there Mm. and they didn't even i found it amazing didn't really get mazelle going at all no 10 carries for 50 yards five yards a carry is pretty darn good but they didn't use them to the extent they had up until this game and you would think with the way that game was going you'd want to just run the clock out but at the same time, mm-hmm. you can give him a night off, a quasi yeah. night off. You know, it's gonna it and 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 win the game. That's gonna make it better, or it's gonna make keep him fresher. You know, later on in the year, it's almost like a little bit of a bye week. Alexander Hollins eight catches on ten targets, eighty three yards and a touchdown. A big game for him with Dominic Rhymes on the sideline. Lucky Whitehead, uh, his season debut, or did he play the first game? But anyway, he returned to the lineup. Uh, five catches, seventy two yards. McKinnon have been more. Yeah, there was one where he had a massive play. He was offside. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I guess that's part of why he got the ball. So open, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He had 72 yards, and you just look at the bomber side. Nick Dembski uh, had 55 yards. Carlton Agadosi, he had 61 yards on five catches. One of those, a 47-yard reception. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, even Dalton Schoen looking human. Two catches on six targets for 34 yards. And Brady Oliveira only got the ball 10 times, but he got it early and often. That uh, first drive was all Brady Oliveira, and then they just yeah. went away went away from it. Yeah, yeah. Trying to catch BC off guard and hit him with the deep ball, and they were ready for it mm-hmm. all along the way. But Zach Kolaros getting sacked seven times. Yeah, that is not, <laughs> that is not Winnipeg Bomber-esque. No, giving up 104 yards in penalties where BC only gave up 50. Just a remarkable game from the BC Lions from start to finish, taking advantage of the mistakes that Winnipeg usually doesn't make Mm -hmm. and puts them on top of the West Division. Whoa. 
How about those Montreal Alouettes going into Hamilton? Maybe you could have How about me changing my pick at the last minute? To Montreal? Or? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, good job. <laughs> they crush the Ticats by 26, 38-12, the final in Hamilton's home opener. Matthew Shields getting the start. He, he threw the ball 47 times. So I sold out on my fantasy lineup, and I got James Butler in there just because of the way he had been used in the previous few weeks. The carries, the double-digit carries he was getting, the, the catches that he was making, and in this one, five carries. I realize it was only 14 yards, but also William Stanback didn't break that 40-yarder until the fourth quarter. They just They only gave him nine carries himself, but... James Butler getting the ball five times, and I think... And he's targeted another five. And there were probably three of them on the final drive as they were just trying to kill the clock. Yeah. Not even good garbage time carries. That's classic Hamilton play calling, isn't it? That's Tommy Condell. Speaking of people who are probably going to get fired. (laughs) I mean... If you want to look at a bright spot, it, Tim White making the big plays, seven mm-hmm. catches on 12 targets, 143 yards. Duke Williams had five catches on 10 targets, 102 yards. So Second, two, second straight game at 102 yards. So you have two 100-yard receivers. And you and get 12 no, points. No majors. 12 points. Mark Leggio goes four for four. I guess that's a positive. Hey, take it where you can get it. Winnipeg. They're hosting. Saying, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Hamilton is hosting the Grey Cup. They were supposed to be all in. They they looked like they were going to get Bo Levi Mitchell, adding a guy like Richie Sindani, Duke Williams. The first couple games are using James Butler, and Montreal made them look inept on Friday night. It was something else. I think almost the entire league has looked over Montreal. I'm guilty of it. I mm. I thought they were probably going to be last in the East. They're keeping Fajardo health, like they're keeping him upright. Yeah, which they would. I mean, that first game it was a little bit deja vuish for last year, but the the offensive line has gotten better as they've play, as they've as they've played a little bit more and. They're designing runs for him. He's able to scramble. Like, like I texted you, Jake. So I was watching the game. Like, is Fajardo actually good? Like, he looks this, on target on those deep this balls. Was, this man. was two, this this was 2019, Cody Fajardo. This wasn't the Cody Fajardo that had the last two years in Regina after all the injuries. He he, honestly, to me, he he looks like a weight has been lifted off his shoulders in Montreal. Well, yeah, because in Saskatchewan, you are not only the face of the franchise, you're also public enemy number one. Yeah. Yeah. The come minute here, anything, come here, go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like having a cat. <laughs> wants attention for 10 seconds. Then it bites you and scratches you and, le- and then leaves. And an hour later comes back looking for more. It's like, what do you want? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't help when he's got a receiver, the caliber of Austin Mack, who, yeah, we weren't sure how are the Alouettes going to replace a uh, Geno Lewis. How are they going to replace a Jake Winicky? And Austin Mack comes in here and is instantly 
a rising star in mm-hmm. the CFL. Maybe he is now a bona fide star. Five catches, 81 yards, two scores in this one. A lot of that is due to, honestly, lack of technique from the Ticats. Like trying to... Arm body tackles check. don't work. You're trying to body check the guy. Yeah. He bounces off of him and takes it to the house. That's not yeah. going to work, man. We've we've seen this week, especially, and on a couple of returns last week, there's a lot of bad form when it came to trying to get tackles. And yeah. that, it's the same thing when you watch junior hockey. It's so exciting because they make mistakes. They're kids. These guys are professional athletes. They shouldn't be making these mistakes, but they continually do, and that's what all these big plays are happening. It's just poor technique. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey, it makes it exciting. I mean, yeah. the Janarian Grant return. I, I, I truly believe. I counted. That was eight <laughs> eight tackles. Mistakes make exciting football. They do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean. That's why Winnipeg is so boring to watch. Yeah. You never want to be on the wrong side of them. So no. that's, that's You never want to be the Nick Marshall of it all. And, look, Kayon Julian Grant is the leading receiver for the mm-hmm. Owls. Six catches. 94 yards. I think, and there were a lot of tackles he was breaking too. He's one of the best players after the catch mm-hmm. in the CFL. Guy's a monster uh, and underrated. Yeah, and sure handed. Like, he only went six of eight. He doesn't drop a lot. Uh, he secures the football and he's willing to like take a hit to get an extra three, four yards to get that first down. But he's not careless with it. Like, you see some guys who just have no idea. Like body awareness, it seems their arms are flaying and the ball is flying out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you have a guy like that, it doesn't even mean like for second downs. Every play that gets thrown to him has an opportunity to go big because he can break tackles. He's so much bigger than the DBs. Yeah, yeah. And th- the difference is them really finishing drives. Uh, mm-hmm. Hamilton gets into the red zone twice. They come away with no touchdowns. Uh, Montreal gets in there three times. They come away with two touchdowns. And that is part of the, I think, the criticism that has gone Jason Moss's way, uh, being able to move the ball and not being able to finish those drives. Well, so far, Montreal's finishing those drives. And I think early Mm -hmm. on, maybe that punt return for a touchdown from Chandler Worthy uh, set things uh, the m- m- momentum yep. in Montreal's favor. Although you got to look at the special teams touchdowns are like three points. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, but I'm looking. I was reading Josh Smith's recap on ThreeDownNation.com, and it's right. Like the, the the Hamilton player gets called for no yards. It gets picked up saying he was pushed. He was pushed in, but he was. How is that not a behind. block in the back? <laughs> But, yeah, he was pushed from behind. So you said he was pushed into the halo, but that's not a flag. <laughs> yeah. So. If, he's, if he's getting pushed from the front, he'd be getting pushed out of the halo. Yeah, exactly. So what is it? <laughs> was he pushed or not? Because if like, he was could, pushed, that's a flag. Could Hamilton throw the challenge flag? Because, like, they did on the Janarian Grant one. Yeah. They looked at yeah. every single they block. Did. like Like, I don't, and it's a scoring play, so it should be reviewed. They should be able to go back and look at everything. But I guess we should talk about Steinauer's challenge. Schultz is what eight yards down the field, and he tries to challenge a roughing the passer. How are you a passer at that point? <laughs> Can you explain that to me? Like it wasn't as bad as the reaches in the Calgary Saskatchewan game. <laughs> 
Just extending over time. Glad to know, glad to know it runs in the family. Yeah. Holy. <laughs> oh, uh, like it wasn't that blatant. Just uh, trying to reel in a call. Yeah. But... <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I get looking for a shot to the head. But you can't. It's not roughing the passer. I know. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. maybe they just maybe they just mix up the words. But I honestly don't think there was enough there anyway. Yeah. And there obviously yeah. wasn't. Well, those Thai cats, their season's over. <laughs> they're not playing together. They like individually, they have great talent. If you I, have Chris Edwards on your team, do you even look him in the eye after that? I guess like, do, we do you go into that. the room and lose your mind on him? what's the appropriate punishment? Like, I, I feel like that deserves... That's a one I, game. I know he's a great player, but the selfish actions Con- that he took... Continually. So this yeah, is the first time it. he's done something stupid. So if you didn't see it, uh, Montreal's in the victory formation. Receiver Austin Mack is five yards behind the quarterback. Chris Edwards walks... I'd love the move. 12 yards up to him, offers him the handshake. Mac puts out the hand and two hands shoves him over, head over heels. What are you doing? Yeah. But this is what we've, like, this is nothing new for Chris Edwards. Is he that mad that he got burned? Continually. For two touchdowns from Austin Mac? Because that makes you look like a child if that's what you're doing. I guarantee you that's what it is. And maybe, like, you know, they probably talk to each other all game because I don't know a lot of pro athletes that don't jaw at each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure something got said, maybe something crossed the line, but still. Like, that, it just such a, it's such a bad look. Like, at the very least, it'll be, it has to be a fine. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I would not be opposed to a one game just because, like, how many times are, is nobody going to do a thing? Mm hmm. And what's going to happen is at some point it's going to blow up and somebody's going to actually get hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's because of terrible decisions from higher ups. Montreal had another dagger drive. The the one that put them up 14-6, eight plays, 90 yards. Yeah. I mean, when that's happening. And then in the second half, uh, Montreal had a uh, 74-yard drive in six plays, mm-hmm. uh, which was aided by a roughing the passer penalty from Hamilton as well. So they didn't have that many many penalties, but the timing sure made them count, and Montreal yeah. took advantage. Oh yeah, <laughs> and like, we you know we talk about like undisciplined and and, yeah. and you know timing and how yeah. The time that you take penalties, it matters to a point, but, like, you still shouldn't be taking them. But then you, you start thinking, about it, it's like, well, no, if you're going to take them at times, you're, you're going to be lucky if you don't get burned. And Hamilton just, a couple of those penalties, it's like, oh, that's that's going to come back to bite you, and sure enough. Yeah. And eighty, and not, it's not even, like, the big ones. It's the ones that, it's, it's second and four, and you're taking offside. Like, you're, you're just giving them a free first down. Yeah. Yeah. When you after you make a stop, like it's only five pass- yards, but that timing is terrible. Yeah, it, and, and like the roughing the passer ones, like 
There has it just me or has there been way more called this year? I I feel like they've been kind of picking up more than they have in the past. Maybe yeah, maybe, but getting called originally and then yeah, yeah. The it's just as long as we get consistency, I don't think people complain too much. That's right. been the biggest issue the last couple of years. Like yeah, that Calgary that. Saskatchewan game could have got real dumb at the end. Yeah, <laughs> it 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 really, did. But. <laughs> it it totally did. This uh, the the bad interceptions from Schiltz. He had two turnovers. He only had fifty three percent completion, but he did have three hundred forty five yards. But I will say this, Ty. I think as the game went on, he was playing hurt. He yeah. got hammered early in the game, and then. One of his his right guard, his offensive lineman, basically threw a Montreal D lineman into his knee. Into him, yeah, that's smart. <laughs> I don't think it's he like the defenseman that cross checks a forward into the goalie and then gets <laughs> mad at him. Exactly, Schultz is a tough character, but I think mm-hmm. he was feeling it as the game yeah. went on. I don't, and think there's and there's just the depth there, right? Like after Schultz, yeah, you don't have much. You kind of want to leave him in, but at the same time, when the game's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, those Montreal Alouettes, 2-0. and I, I want to ask you this, Ty. Uh, who are the two guys in the CFL that wear the most hats with their organizations? It's Orlando Steinauer and Hamilton. And, and Chris Jones. And Chris Jones. And they're both should be fired by the end of the year. <laughs> Is it a coincidence that <laughs> through five games for those teams, they have no wins? Not at all. Uh, this is because of the coach's cap. And I get something needed to be done. I don't know if we need to go this as far as they did. I guess I should say six games collectively. Six games, yeah. <laughs> really, you look, you look at the teams, like, yeah, you want good product and you want, you know, players to be able to, to get better and develop. Well, you ha- you can't limit coaching. How is that fair? The best teams have the best coaching, uh, but then, but then you got guys that got to do three different things because you can't. Yeah, right. That like that, that that's just dumb. We didn't like it from the start. Yeah, I don't and think start, anybody really did. And like, what's going to happen with Calgary now? Because Dickinson's doing both. At some point, is that going to catch up to them? Like, it's look, they're one and two. Yeah, and, so uh, nine games, one win. Yeah, between those three teams. <laughs> That's something is rotten in the state of Denmark. <laughs> Those Montreal Alouettes. I don't think anybody's going to be overlooking them anymore after that performance. No, they're uh, they're, they're the Baltimore gets. Orioles. Like, mm. remember remember the last like five years how awesome the AL East was because you could just get sixteen wins from Baltimore. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore at all. <laughs> the Saskatchewan Rough Riders go to Calgary. And beat the Stampeders 29-26. Now, let's not sugarcoat it. Both teams facing injury issues. And I I misrepresented the stat uh, on last week's episode. It was that uh, Calgary had no sacks from their D-line. Defensive line. Yeah, I said the whole defense, but their D-line hadn't had any sacks. They did in this one. Well, play the Riders O-line. Cures what ails you. But... The Riders have their left tackle starting for the first time in the CFL, and then he gets mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah. I, I feel like the Riders of the past wouldn't have been able to overcome that. And 
Harris was feeling the pressure at times in this game, but I mean, <laughs> he stood in there and took some, took a beating. It could have been a lot worse considering the patchwork uh, situation with that old line yeah. at the time. And I think the the biggest part of that was that they didn't have to change who played center. Right. And I think, I think that probably helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, just clean, you get the clean transfers, you know, he's the one that's, the leader of your O line usually, so you know it's not a huge change there. You just kind of kind of got a shuffle, but the people that touched the ball the most didn't change. Both teams were hitting each other with the running game uh, early in the game, so the first half was a quieter one. Uh, but then in, in the second half, it's like everything opened up. It was only six three Calgary uh, after the the first half there. Although, look, man, I'll be honest. I, I learned about the rules on that that kick. Uh, you got to come down inbounds. Yeah, if I guess if his knee touches before his elbow, down, then he's good. Yeah, then he's inbounds because he's completely airborne when Henderson batted a fumbled kick mm. into the out of bounds, uh, but his elbow touched the white before his knee touched the green, so he was ruled out of bounds even after he batted the football out, which meant it would have been right or ball that that. Don't see that one very often. <laughs> no, that was obscure. I didn't know about it until dude, I'm like, well, that's dumb. Like you touched it in bounds. Yeah. Yeah. And then they show the replay and I'm like, oh, his hand oh, I see what it mean now. And then it's like how the rule used to be that if you caught the ball in bounds in the air and you were and you pushed got out. Pushed out, it was a catch. Yeah. Yeah. Now it doesn't matter. Right. So I I think that's kind of where that comes from. But yeah, that that's that's the first time I can ever remember that being called. Jamal Morrow, a nice game for the Riders. That's six, an understatement. Six yards a carry, 22 carries, 133 yards. Diedrich Mills, uh, I think Calgary probably would have liked to give him the ball more. 14 carries, 74 yards, but he had over five yards a carry as well. And then the second half is when things, I guess, really opened up in this one. And it opened up uh, quite early with uh, <laughs> the turnovers happening, like uh, that's when I texted him, like this. This game had a re- like, remember that 2013 West final? Oh yeah, where Saskatchewan's defense was flying, the ball was getting turned over a bunch. And it just felt like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, was just, it was weird to see a Calgary team not taking care of the football. We see them do it once a game, like losing Grey Cups, but it's it's rare that a Dave Dickinson coach team. Is this careless? Right. Right. And But is this sort of a rebuilding year for the Stampeders? It, Rebuild, it, I don't think it's a rebuild. I think it's a retool. It feels, yeah, th- I think that's probably a better Like what the Canucks have been trying to do and failing miserably at. <laughs> and we'll get to it, but here we are with their star leadership injured. Uh, Reggie Bagleton. Malik, Malik's done for the year now. Ruptured his Achilles, non-contact, like the scariest words in sports. Bagleton hurt. Mayor Kadeem Carey. Mayor didn't look super healthy. Oh, he got hammered at the end of the game. He yeah. was getting pummeled. Yeah. Um, you know, rook a rookie starting on the old line. They lost it's, Lemon and Dennis, which yeah. are leaders in that room. Yeah, they're, it's they're just, a young the vet, team. The veteran leadership isn't there like you're used to seeing in Calgary. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so I mean, a lot of that is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Left. Yeah. yeah. So a bit of an adjustment time there, although Calgary always seemed to have that next guy mm-hmm. in waiting. Maybe Drew Tate was the transition to Bo. Now maybe, well, maybe Jake, Jake. Mayer is the guy. But uh, yeah. who's behind him? Maybe they do have another guy in waiting. You don't know with Dickinson and uh, Huffnagel there. So the third quarter. At least we know, though, that they will be like on the payroll and it will be documented. They won't. <laughs> It's not going to be hidden. <laughs> the third quarter uh, starts with Trevor Harris being intercepted by Cameron Judge. Well, and then two plays later, Jake Mayer is inter- intercepted by uh, Roland Milligan. Uh, I, I, no, he's been lights out. He is a great, great player. Uh, and then he takes it all the way to the one. Saskatchewan punches it in. Early on, it is... Uh, 9-6 Calgary after Brett Lothar misses the point after, which is crucial later in the game. 9-6 Saskatchewan. Yeah, 9-6 Saskatchewan. So that missed extra point, it's a bit uh, crucial, isn't it? (laughs) And that's what they wanted when they moved it back. They didn't want the the gimme anymore, and it's... It's played it's played in quite a bit in the last couple of years. I don't enjoy it at all. Yeah. <laughs> Not as exciting as a punt single. <laughs> uh, and then the the game kind of keeps rolling here and the uh uh the, the the stamps are able to move the ball here and they have the big 52-yard touchdown to Malik Henry which looked effortless. Nick Marshall getting burned on that. He sold out on the pass. Now, I don't know if you noticed in the game, Henry burned Marshall, but Mayer overthrew him, mm-hmm. and they had a fist bump moment. Well, here, Henry burned yeah. Marshall and, and got which, the score. It does come back around. but Breaking news. Nick Marshall, <laughs> Nick Marshall going for the ball gets burned. <laughs> And then uh, the game continues. Uh, like, this is probably, we'll, we'll say it, the, the game of the year so far, yep. as far as excitement goes. And each team only had, what, five penalties apiece? So it was it was fun to watch that way. At the end of the third quarter, it is 17-13 Saskatchewan after Tevin Jones, right at the end of the quarter, mm-hmm. I believe it was, has a 44-yard touchdown himself. He's making the most of his opportunity coming onto the roster with the injury to Darrell Walker. And he's going to make it real hard on the coaching staff yeah. when everybody's healthy because you got a guy that's producing like he is. He had he went 5 of 7 for 75 yards with that touchdown, 18 and a half fantasy points. Like mm-hmm. He's playing like that without a guy like Darrell Walker taking taking coverage away. Mm-hmm. And stuff like like it's how how do you take him out of the lineup now? Like, yeah, you want to put Darrell Walker back in when he's healthy, but like there's gonna be some tough decisions. Kind of looks like Jones has kind of won that spot. I think uh, so. Uh, but then at the same time, you don't want to say that you yeah, lose your that's true. thing, you lose your job injury, but if the team's winning, it's like we talked about Bo in the group chat and we went to the sixth game and somebody said, Well, he's not gonna stay there. I'm like, what if they win games with Schiltz? Like, why wouldn't you just leave him there then? Well, now I hope they don't but now, pull him off early, even if he's not 100%. Like, yeah. 
they might get desperate in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that is followed up by another interception thrown by Jake Mayer. Now, maybe it wasn't wise to throw the ball. It looked like he was forcing it to Trey Odom's Dukes. But, this one off the foot? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can really control that. One's that one's not on Mayer. <laughs> I don't think that's on Mayer. Ball that's... gets kicked in the air, and Larry yeah. D uh, uh, intercepts that ball. But here's the deal. Uh, the Riders hit uh, Sean Bain for a 60-yard gain, and then that ends in a touchdown. So mm-hmm. from getting picked off in your end zone to seven points to the opposition the other 14 way, point swing. Riders are up by 10 at 23-13 after going for two on that touchdown. What do you think of that call? I understand it. Because it makes it a three-score game. Well, I it's, feel only like you're two, up, it's only a two-score game, but because you're up ten, yeah. If you go up eleven, you make you, Calgary get the two points. You're, you're making them go for two, right? Or if they want to just take the one and and go on from there, you still have a one-point cushion. Like I understand why they did it, but I didn't, I, I didn't really like it. I didn't like the call later in the game either. I feel like you take the single here. We'll get to the call later in the game. What's my What's my number one rule playing football on a, on the road? Take the points. Take the points. Take the points. So they missed the two point conversion. Well, Calgary answers back with a touchdown also, of their own. They were also trying to make up for that other for the missed convert. Yeah, they were. So they I were, like yeah. there was that too. Yeah. Uh, Calgary answers back with a touchdown drive of their own. Seven plays, 60 yards. It's 23-20 after Paredes ends up uh, converting the extra point. And then Saskatchewan gets the ball here. Nine plays, 58 yards, and it is on the Calgary nine-yard line. Third and one. You take the points, Ty. You kick, and you make them drive the entire length. Of the, you make them drive the length of the field. Yeah. Now, now they just got to get to like the thirty-five. I know. And, and on one hand, but this season, more than any other, that third and one, <laughs> far from guaranteed. No. Far I don't know what's guaranteed. going on this year. Maybe it's in my head, but that short yardage is not. Maybe the refs are letting them cheat a little bit. <laughs> Maybe, because things aren't going well for teams. No. no. <laughs> Isn't, well, I think after the record got set last year, then teams were pissed. Yeah. Like the yeah. backup quarterback, and I'm like, we're not letting <laughs> this happen again. We are figuring this out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's been incredible that way. So, Calgary does what they need to do. They come back. They hit the field goal here with uh, a few seconds left on the clock. But in the process, Mayer takes a big hit. And Pete Robertson, he he reminded Jake Mayer that he was in a football game and he's got to keep his head on the swivel. So Tommy Stevens comes in. He moves the ball. Uh, He he played the first two snaps of yeah. Overtime, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he had a short pass to Cole Tucker. He had a rush in there as well. But Paredes, 11 seconds left, 53 yards. It wasn't an easy kick by no. any means. 
but it was a clutch kick to send this game into overtime. And you're right, Tommy Stevens started overtime off. Here he goes. He rushes for seven yards. He rushes for seven yards. Jake Mayer comes back in. Two and out. I thought just the way that Stevens was moving the ball. Why mess with it? Seven or eight yards a pop, keep running it at him. Yep. Basically, you're putting yourself into three-down territory if you really want it to be. But at the same time, you're going first. So you're going to take the points. But, yeah, I I didn't like them bringing Mayer back in. I know he's your number one guy and he's your starter. But just the way Tommy Seamus moved the ball there in those first two, it's like they had no answer. He wasn't happy coming off Mm-mm. the field. No, they had and, no answer. If they scored yeah. a touchdown there, well, exactly. even more pressure on the Riders. Mayer had uh, two passes attempted in overtime. Neither of them went well. The first one was uh, skipped. Uh, and then... <laughs> Dave Dickinson throws the challenge flag for pass interference when no, nothing no. happened. Dave threw it for roughing the passer. Oh, it was roughing the passer. Yeah. Uh, Craig did it. For Craig PI. threw it for PI. That rough, like, what are we doing? That look on Jake Mayer's face made me want to throw him in front of a city bus. <laughs> You're such a loser to think you're going to get that call. Yeah, that ain't happening. It's not a big – he didn't hit you that hard. Mm-hmm. Didn't hit you in the helmet. It's not a penalty. You look like a crybaby. I think he was still feeling uh, hurt from that previous hit Yeah. Uh, earlier on. And then – but then I don't like Suter either saying, well, you don't – you got the challenge flag. You don't want to end the game with a challenge flag in your pocket. Well, if there's nothing to challenge, what's yeah. the point? Why are we just wasting time when yeah. we know that nothing's going to happen? So that drive, that mini game ends in a field goal for the Stamps. It ends in a field goal for the Riders. And then uh, the Riders go again. They kick a field goal, right? Yep. And then uh, Jake Mayer. They give it to Diedrich Mills, 14 yards. They give it to Diedrich again, three yards. Then Jake Mayer gets pressured. Throws it in a double coverage. A ball that should have never been thrown, and he's picked off in the end zone. Third time in the game, second time in the end zone by the hero of the game, Nick Marshall. Just what I think. (laughs) I got that text from you. Do you understand how upset I was? <laughs> I just texted him in all caps, Nick Marshall. <laughs> I was so disgusted with how that game ended. And then I'm sitting here. Ty's morning. number one target, public enemy number one on the yeah. podcast, and he uh, he seals the game. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting on my recliner this morning watching that game. And at one point, I'm like, how in the hell did this game get to overtime? <laughs> I mean, there's not enough time for all this stuff to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, Nick Martin, I texted him, I was waiting for the Marshall pick, and I'm going to watch the Elks game. And the minute he picked it off, I just turned it off. I'm like, well, I'm (laughs) done with this. I didn't actually believe it happened. (laughs) And I guess we didn't even mention Craig fishing for the uh, 
<laughs> defensive pass interference. Learning in the end from zone. his brother, I guess. Like, oh my god, those two. Like, why? <laughs> it adds. I mean, it adds to the drama, but it's like, what are we what? doing? It's not even drama, though. Both fan bases are like, okay, another yeah. time to have a drink, but man, this is terrible. Well, no, because they stopped serving. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> I got to tell you. I I went to the concession uh, near the end of the first half mm-hmm. at McMahon Stadium to get myself a baked potato. I also they... saw the options you made. <laughs> I have some questions. <laughs> they call it the Spudinator. So I'm standing in line, and I actually had planned on getting a pulled pork parfait. You can get this cup just jammed full of mashed potatoes, corn, and pulled pork, and you're just eating it with a so spoon. It's, just, it's shepherd's pie, but with pulled pork instead of... In a cup. Like, beef. It's genius, yeah. I think. It's all, so, it all goes to the same spot. It does. But then I kept seeing potato after potato. How after did you po- not just get both? <laughs> That's Oh, I should have. I should have. So... You get some topping options here. Jalapeno cheese sauce, caramelized onions, beef chili, pulled pork, gravy, sour cream, grated cheese, bacon bits, green onions, butter, pickled jalapenos, and cheese curds. So I see this guy. I'm like, what did you get? He's like, I I got it all. That's impressive. <laughs> then as I'm filling out my sheet, I'm like, eh, I'll skip the gravy, the onion, and the butter. <laughs> so I got three how kinds skip, of cheese. How do you get a baked potato with no onion and no butter? Well, I had jalapeno cheese sauce, cheese curds, and grated cheese. <laughs> you haven't gone to the bathroom yet, have you? I don't think so. Is this another? <laughs> this is 2018. This is the pierogies all over again. But that was a good baked potato. That thing's about a pound and a half, and it's nine fifty. Crushing that in the stands. Like, I, I feel like it's a pretty good value. And I know a potato costs about a buck <laughs> are you, 50 or whatever. Are you saying baked potatoes are recession or are inflation proof? <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe. Maybe they are. I don't know if this one came from. You guys PDI are going to end up or... with Calgary season tickets now just so you can get baked potatoes nine times a year. I actually think that McMahon Stadium's got some hidden gems when it comes to food. Well, and the bars are pretty hidden too because you can't find a place to get it there. <laughs> There are some secret bathrooms in the back that are slower mm-hmm. than so that's the ones right tip. by the door there by yeah. the parking lot that we were using. Yeah, there's nobody ever in there. Yeah. Pro tip to McMahon Stadium. Yeah, well, don't give away all the secrets. <laughs> I think the real pro tip would be just tear the thing down. <laughs> and then the last game of the week has the Toronto Argonauts, the reigning champs, go into Edmonton looking to extend that home win loss streak. To 19 games, and did they ever? But Ty, it actually looked like the game could go either way in the first half. It was a one-point game at halftime, mm-hmm. and then Taylor Cornelius got pulled for some reason. See, I thought he was moving the ball pretty well in the first half. Block punt, not his fault. Yeah, and then Kyle Oxley doing what he did, that, that team is in a lot of trouble right now. And we are week three, and it's year two of Chris Jones's master plan. And so it's Lo- not going well. Loxley comes in, and he uh, they fumble a handoff to Kevin Brown. And I don't Loxley, even have a problem with that part. It happens. So he gets pulled from the game, 
and I don't know what was said on the sideline, but allegedly Kyle Oxley was asked to go back into the game on a short yardage play. And he said no. And he said no. And he was standing off on the sideline 20, 25 yards from the rest of his team, basically pouting. So here we are Monday after the game. He's already been released. And Trey Ford is going to be on the active roster, I think, tomorrow morning. Yeah. If he's not already. But Jared Dagey comes into the game in the second half, and he gave the Elks a spot, a spark. Mm -hmm. There was a bad interception he threw, but he has 82% uh, completion, 9 of 11, and the game was, let's face it, it was... (laughs) The score at the end of the game was a lot more flattering to Edmonton than it than the game was. Yeah, he had two touchdowns. Uh, Cornelius, though, 14 of 18, a touchdown, no turnovers. I, I can't believe I'm sitting here defending Taylor Cornelius. but It feels dirty, doesn't it? <laughs> he, I, I didn't think do we he... Just, do we just hate Chris Jones that much, though, <laughs> that we are taking Cornelius aside here? <laughs> Maybe. I, I thought that he got pulled a little... A little early, especially considering where the game was. And I know the mm-hmm. Elks had a uh, pick six in the first half as well, so that helps. They also had big returns from C.J. Sims. It seems like the Elks can't put it all together at once. They haven't oh. had good returns for how My long. golf game. <laughs> and they had such a great, great return game in this one. But Chris Jones continuing with the Josiah St. John experiment on the offensive line is not working. Those quarterbacks have no time at all. It's almost like he sucks. It's not working for Edmonton. And if you don't have an offensive line, your quarterback's not going to succeed. So it goes hand in hand there. They got all the talent in the world. But I don't know if you noticed in the first half on the short yardage plays for the Elks offense, they're bringing out defense guys. They they brought out Serezna. Like, might as well do that every play. Like, those guys are going to – they're going to get you first downs if that's they're, what you they're want. They're good at hitting people. That's their job. <laughs> they will move them out of the way. So it looked – I don't know. The first half looked promising for Edmonton. But every single mistake that they made – just like Toronto did a week ago against the Ticats, they were doing against Edmonton. Any little mistake, they Capitalized. made you pay. And Olette, Olette found the, the end zone three times. Hat trick. Block a punt. Like, just every everything that could have went wrong went wrong in the worst possible way for Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And then you have the drama that's going to be a distraction on the sidelines. Yeah. Like I'm sure Chris Jones... We'll say it wasn't to him, but I guarantee you he's probably over there seething. Like, it's just, it's such a bad look. In the second half, it, it like everything fell apart. I, I know there was an interception that the quarterback threw, but Geno Lewis, it's a sure touchdown and he gets stripped on the goal line. There's the blocked punt, there are penalties that extend drives mm-hmm. for Toronto. And then they had Chad Kelly for a sure sack. A sure sack. And then he evades the tackler and hits the wide open receiver for a touchdown. Yeah. Like, 
there was nothing that Edmonton could have done right in the second half. Somehow, I mean, there's the touchdown at the end of the game. Yeah, that, that somehow that, that that was like its redeeming quality from the football gods. Like, yeah. okay, we're not gonna just totally destroy you today. I'm glad I stayed in my seat to see yeah. that touchdown. Here's a here's a tip drill. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up seeing that Chris Jones, while it's a four year deal in Edmonton, it's sort of a year to year thing. Full of options. So he's got an out, and Edmonton's got an out, so it wouldn't affect the coach's cap. But he's wearing a lot of hats, and I know we saw this in Saskatchewan, right? That mm-hmm. him wearing all the hats with with the team. Although, he's only made it work one time, and that's because he had Mike Riley. But he was only the coach, too, and he wasn't the GM at that time. Oh, that's right. He wasn't. It was Ed Hervey as the GM. That was when Ed still talked to us. (laughs) Before Ty wearing a Argos Kevin Glenn jersey. Super sober. Runs into Ed Hervey at the uh, Spirit of Edmonton and straight up asks him, how's your quarterback situation? <laughs> and that wasn't even the night I got kicked out. And then Ty wakes up the next morning and he asked me, Why am I wearing a Kevin Glenn Argos jersey? And then you started singing Wook and Panub. <laughs> oh, Grey Cup times with uh, Brazilian Ty and me. <laughs> what do you say about the Argos? Like, they just. And it's not like Olette had a big average 4.7 yards a carry Edmonton's tough to run the ball against I Mm -hmm. I believe that but when they're continually getting pounded any defense no matter how good you are is going to wear down one 100 and if you can wear them down yeah you can you can keep running the ball they're gonna have to sell out for the run they brought this up on the broadcast at halftime uh I can't remember her name that does the sidelines now for TSN. Britt Dort, I think? Uh, yeah. Uh, she was talking to Purifoy on their way back out. He said, we just need to stop the run. That's our number one focus. Well, do you think that Ryan Dinwiddie didn't know that? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, go ahead. Sell out, sell out, stop the run. Well, here's some play action. Here's here's some sweeps. Here's some uh, screen passes. And it just opens the game up when you know that the defense is selling out. Former Ticat David Ungerer was the leading receiver for the Argos. He had a big 44-yard play, a, a touchdown, uh, 75 yards on the game. Dejon Brissett, 63 yards uh, in this one. Even Andrew Harris had over five yards of carry. They gave him the ball six times for 32 yards. Uh, Daniel Adababoye uh, at the end of the game, seven carries, 48 yards, 6.9 yards of carry tie. Nice. Uh, and for the Elks, Stephen Dunbar, the leading receiver, uh, eight catches, 98 yards. They were going his way a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, Geno Lewis had five for 43. And uh, Vincent Forbes catches 86 yards, two touchdowns. Like, what, uh, what a stat line. <laughs> those uh, plays at the end of the game made it, the score look a lot better mm-hmm. for Edmonton than in reality it was. Yeah, I, I mean, we see that all the time in football with the garbage time. It, it, it's so hard to play 
defense like BC has done for the last two weeks for a full 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are times where it just, not that you give up, but the, the mental exhaustion, the physical, it's just, you can't, it, it's really tough to play that for the entire game like that. So it's to be expected at some point. Uh, I didn't see it coming from a backup quarterback and a number seven receiver. <laughs> But here we are. Uh, 33 minutes and 37 seconds, the time of possession for the Argos. So uh, they showed why they're the champs, man. Last year, I felt like Toronto was still coming together until the very end. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. but the continuity that that they had coming into this year, they, they picked up right where they left off. And I think one of the biggest additions to that defense has been a Darius Pickett. He is flying all over the place yep. for the Argos right now. He had five tackles. He had two sacks. And he returns for, kicks. Yeah, like the guy is all over for the Argos. They're going to be a tough team to beat in the East. Mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to some Toronto-Montreal games, but <laughs> we're going to learn a lot about ottawa hamilton and Edmonton over the next few weeks, Ty, because those teams are going to be playing each other in one way or another. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so what's going to happen? I can't when... <laughs> wait for I can't wait for the Trey Ford Tyree Adams game. That's another thing. Is it, what's going on there? I I don't know if he's hurt, uh, but I think they were stashing him on the one game injured list. That's what it seems like. Um. I think they probably have to start Jarrett Dagey again, don't they? If you start or Dagey, start him for the first time. Yeah, if you start Dagey, I think you're basically just telling Cornelius we don't trust you at all. Oh man, what a choice they have! And here's the thing: other choices are great. Half of Taylor Cornelius's 2024 salary is guaranteed. It would amount to $100,000. Will he be an elk in 2023 or 24? That could could make him tough to trade. Yeah. And if you cut him, are you willing to just eat that? Let's be real. It's not a cap. We're done with that idea. I'll be honest. I don't just pay fines. I don't know if that money becomes guaranteed not until next year. Yeah, it's probably one of the, it, as long as they cut him before February 24th or whatever. But, uh, it might just be a roster bonus. That 100K is a lot to eat if they, mm-hmm. uh, keep him around. Man, are they calling Dane or BC for Dane Evans? Are they going to be calling McLeod Bethel Thompson? Is any of those an option for Edmonton? I don't think Dane is. Yeah, I don't think so. BC's so probably what, not picking up the phone. Oh, a missed call from Chris Jones. Eh? Yeah, no thanks. Um, <laughs> so you want to bring you want to bring Dane Evans in and have the exact same thing happen? Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Damon Allen was at the game. I'm surprised they didn't uh, put the pads on Damon and see what he could do. Can't be any worse. They they were talking that while well, they were honoring the '93 Grey Cup Great team, team. Yeah. and uh, Gizmo was there. I don't know if they showed it on TV. He faked everybody out. I thought he was going to do the yeah. flip. <laughs> they did. They did show that. I was like, "There's no way." And then yeah, I'm like, "Okay, good." Because if he doesn't make it, that he <laughs> that for the he for looks the ten, like he could still do it for the tens of people that were in attendance. 
<laughs> like they're literally giving tickets away and people aren't taking them. Giz and uh, Pinball were on the same field. They should have suited them up. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Uh, what? Do you think they could still beat us in a 40? <laughs> yes, 100%. Oh, okay. You? I was on the city relay team for 100 meters, but not anymore, man. I'm <laughs> those days are by. I almost, I almost had to run on Friday. Oh yeah. With, if you scare me at the start line, I'd be able to move. Fear is a motivating factor for me. If there's a wasp fair. nest or something, yeah, I could move. I, w- I went looking for a ball and I heard a low hum. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm out of here. That's a wasp. That's a wasp nest and a log. I'm I'm good. Fantasy leaders for week three, Ty. My uh, lineup was a mess, by the way. If I did not have Austin Mack or Malik Henry, it would have been a lost week. <laughs> I should have made Olette my captain. Yeah, you would have uh, lit it up. Over Adams and Jake Mayer, uh, Trevor Harris, Chad Kelly for your t- round out the top five. Fajardo with 26.8 points. Wow. Um, and these are what the points actually are. Don't just the points on the website because their stats aren't the same as the stats that the league hands out. Wow. Like we're we're running into that issue still. Um we got here. AJ Olette led the way 26.4. Jamal Moore was second, only 15.9. He had a lot of yards. No scores. No scores. Uh Stanback at 13.6. Kevin Brown 11.3. Diedrich Mills 10.8. Brady Lavera only got 7.3. Like didn't even crack double digits. And as for the wide receivers. Uh, Austin Mack led the way, 25.1. Forbes won blow, 22.6. Those two scores. Did anybody have him? (laughs) I would be surprised. Uh, Hollins at 22.3. Tim White at 21.3. Malik Henry, even with the injury, still put up 19.2. Yeah, yeah. Man. Don't pick returners. Yeah, you don't get return yards anymore, unfortunately. Do not take – like, you can take Chandler Worthy and hope that he gets some looks in the offense, but – doesn't get that many. Uh, he had 8.2 this week, but a guy like Mary Alford, who should have had eight points last week or this week, one of the two weeks got zero because they took away they took away the return points. I think returners are one of the most exciting parts of the Canadian game, yeah. and to exclude them from fantasy points is uh, is a Makes bit no of sense. a crime. It's a bit of a Makes crime. Makes no sense. Now, if if, if we get those, if, we get those points on the back end with the defense yeah that's a different story but i don't think we do that doesn't happen either so uh thanks thanks for wrecking it (laughs) there's week three of the cfl season we're only getting started brother we're only getting started (laughs) you can rate review and subscribe to tune out on your favorite podcatcher you can like and comment on youtube as well and support the show on patreon you will get the show earlier than anyone else thanks for your support and uh i've spent money in really dumb ways You're not supposed to say that. Oh. <laughs> oh, and I want to give a shout out to Bobby, who I met uh, at McMahon Stadium. He's setting the Guinness World Record for the shortest amount of time visiting every CFL stadium. He's doing nine stadiums in 16 days. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. That's he, impressive. He has this paperwork that he has to keep track of where he is uh, to make the Guinness World Record uh, 
official, I guess. And he was in Edmonton too, obviously. Uh, yeah. So good for him for uh, so, supporting the league. God, that's like I hate flying as it is. I just <laughs> want to make. Well, it depends on where he lives, but like two cross country flights. Well, here's how it works. So he started the week in Winnipeg, and then mm-hmm. he was in Calgary, and then he was in Edmonton. So the next week looks like you'll be able to do Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, and then the last stadium will be Saskatchewan, Thursday, July 6th, against the Elks. Is that all of them? Or do you have BC. to do Hamilton? Oh, BC too. Man. Yeah, so he'll probably go home for BC. Oh, he's got to do Hamilton. Like the, or did he already do Hamilton? I don't know. He must have Winnipeg to Hamilton to Calgary to Edmonton. That's <laughs> did he do all four games this week? I think he did. That's wild. <laughs> like the one year John, Brandon, and Nick. He and did Lacey three, did in, three a weekend, in a right? weekend. And it yeah. was a big weekend, they said. This I couldn't awesome. imagine four with the flights. and Like you're basically leaving the game, going to the airport because you got to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> At he least will, now with them spread out, one game a day makes yeah, it really easier. Right. Uh, we will talk to you later this week to get you ready for Canada Day weekend. There's only three games. Uh, we've got a Friday nighter, a Saturday nighter, and a Monday nighter in Toronto. The undefeated showdown between the Lions and the Cardinals. That game is going to be real good. we got a fun week ahead and a fun season all the way through. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.